The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love. Like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. to another episode of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. Once again, my name is Pierce, and once again, I've got Caroline with me. Hello, Caroline. Hey, what's up? Uh, not much. How are you? I'm doing well, hanging in there, you know. <laughs> That's good. We also have Paul rejoining the podcast. Aloha. Tonight. Hello, Paul. How are you, sir? I, Despite I, his I, welcome, I, he's not in Hawaii. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Someday we can go to Hawaii. Yeah. The blog is going to Hawaii. You heard it here first. Maybe we'll do a Maui tournament someday and we'll get to go. Anyway, speaking of that, we uh, are, are talking basketball tonight. Uh, the Who's coming off a huge win at home to kick off ACC play, beating the top 10 ranked at the time, Florida State Seminoles, by roughly 80 points, I think. Uh, at a time. It like. That's what it felt like. End of that first half. Woo! It was an absolute shellacking, uh, probably from the first quarter on. I think FSU got a couple early shots in, and that was about it. Uh, I mean, we could talk glowingly uh, for the you know entire week. I think about how awesome it was to see that. But I think we should jump into to some specific highlights, some things that really. I either surprised you or just delighted you uh, to see happen. Paul, why don't we go with you first? What's something that stuck out to you in a, in a nice way uh, in that game? I'm going to go ahead and just steal the hell out of Caroline's Thunder. How here. dare you? And this is this is my metric for how good a game, how good of a performance it was from Virginia, is I'm not sure which of the Jack Salt highlights was my favorite. <laughs> um, there, I don't know whether it was Jack running the fast break or, Which he did perfectly. Uh, Jack <laughs> having getting a no look pass to Mamadi for a dunk, which was perfect. Stuff. Or uh, the possession in which Jack hit two free throws. Which like I, <laughs> I, you know, I, yeah. There there are varying sort of thresholds for for excitement for each one of them. But that was you know all year Jack has I think shown. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a different side, but a, a different level to, to a lot of the game that we've seen from him before. Um, things that he's tried in seasons past and not necessarily executed well. Um, and to his credit, he's he has figured out enough little adjustments to be something other than, um, frankly, a black hole on offense. That, <laughs> I'm sorry. There were for the most of Jack Salt's career. If the ball went to the post, it was either going to be a turnover or a comeback out, and nobody had to respect him. And now he's a he's a very solid perimeter passer, which he has been for a while. I'll acknowledge. Um, 
still an incredible screen. Oh my God. I didn't even mention the screen. I know. I was like, I'm waiting. Like, I was waiting. I was like, go ahead. You didn't I used mention Thunder and Jaxel and didn't mention the screen. Um, you didn't mention his technical either when Phil Kofer tries to step to Ivan Draco. I'm like, what are you thinking? So when I said steal Caroline's Thunder, I meant preview Caroline's Thunder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah no, honestly, it's good that it's coming from someone else because that way because y'all already think I'm crazy anyway. So this is good. Someone else is recognizing his, what he brings to the team. That's good. Keep going, Paul. Well, yeah, you're irrespective of you being crazy. Um, <laughs> the, Fair. Yeah, no, it's, I, I, I want to give credit where he is not just a screen and defend player anymore. He, he can get enough of a bucket to be, somebody that the other defense has to account for in the offense as so long as he's within two feet of the basket. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, it's, I, I, so I, part of my continued, I'm impressed by how Jack has played and see a, a more sizable role for him in the offense than what he played in years past. And that's a good thing. I think there was a moment where, um, he had the ball on the perimeter and was so open and was playing so well. I don't know if he even like flexed a little, like he was going to shoot. I think the fans were just too hype, but they, the, the arena clearly for a half second was like, yeah, shoot it. (laughs) Two games in a row that the crowd has done that to him. Yeah. Yeah, Where it's where you hear them legitimately like, uh, wish for him to shoot that and you're yeah. like don't encourage that really any situation maybe after Kofer got in his face then maybe he could have like shot if he were to make that shot that <laughs> you know it would it would be a fun in your eye moment yeah. but uh yeah can Jack anyone saw. see what prompted the shoving match or why i'm assuming jack didn't start it uh but uh, i haven't looked into it yeah I, I, I remember from the clip that it was something that it, it was it was not unprovoked reaction from Jack, but it wasn't much of a provocation. (laughs) I think Jack, there may have been that Kofor said something in addition to sort of what the physical interaction was. Um, But Jack definitely escalated it. Now he, he escalated it by shoving him in the chest while he walked away, which is different than I'm grabbing the Jersey and going in with a punch. (laughs) But yeah, so like that's actually yeah to Jack's credit a little bit, not just being like shrug it off and walk away. It was like it got, I think it got the building a little bit more. In, yeah. Not that they needed it, but they I were surprised. It was a double technical call. Like I didn't see Kofor do anything, you know. So what, what the fact that it wasn't just a straight technical on Jack leads me to believe something happened. Yeah, something happened beforehand. <laughs> just don't know what. Um, and and obviously that he. I can't imagine he's he is the guy that would do that unprovoked. But well, that's, I think that's his first technical UVA. Oh yeah. Huh. Well, yeah. Um, why, why darns? Why don't you uh, give us another highlight? Ooh, I'm really torn, but I think I, I would really like to talk about Kyle Guy um, because he's pretty holy good. Shit! Like <laughs> there were times I just laughed. Like I just stopped and laughed because it's like I legitimately like if you're Florida State, if you're a Florida State fan watching that game. And it's the end of the first half, and he hits those back-to-back threes to like just get the shiv really in there and like extend the lead. Like, how can you do anything except just be like, "Shit, all right, they're good." Like that's that he was making, and it wasn't even that. 
it's the kind of shot where you worry that, oh, well, he can, he can't make those all the time or he's pulling them out of his ass, like a circus shot that like, you know, whatever isn't consistent because he consistently makes shots like that with no space without having time to square up and face the basket. Like it just, it's incredible. And the, you know, SB nation and we had it on our front page for a while, posted a whole story about him this week. And um, he spoke out a lot about dealing with anxiety and doubt. And I think that's something that's really relatable for a lot of people, but that a lot of athletes, especially star athletes don't talk much about like mental health. Uh So First of all, kudos to him for talking about it because it's important. And I think getting rid of that stigma is one of the biggest things. And Isaiah talked about it last year with ESPN and then Kyle talking about it this year. Um, it's just, it's good to be open and have that stuff out there because they shouldn't be get no team should ever get death threats after losing a game or winning a game or whatever. Death threats are dumb. Don't threaten anybody. <laughs> but on top of it, when you factor in that these are college kids playing a game, like it's, absurd the amount of extra stuff that they have to deal with um and so I was really just happy he's worked his ass off and you can tell by the way he was good last year but just his game is just so much cleaner I feel like and I just I don't even like at a certain point like I don't even know what to say about Kyle anymore um but he had a career high against Marshall with 30 points he set a new school record for 11 made threes in a row over the two games um which is bonkers um and he's just a good guy on top of it it's like a good guy bad guy um but yeah he's like likable kid and he works hard and i'm happy he's on our team and not someone else's all right darts likes kyle guy (laughs) Uh, he was really good he played really well and i hope he did play very well (laughs) Um, his counterpart, Ty Jerome, two for 11 from the field, six over four shooting. So but my point uh, that I'm bringing that up for is we've seen a little already this year of Kyle making the big shots that Ty was hitting more often last year. And I don't know if that's just random sample size happenstance, I don't know, maybe if it's a more uh, purposeful decision on the point of the team, you know, run the offense to Kyle getting that last shot. Uh, who knows? What, a combination, combination of all kinds of things, probably. But I think it's something when we've been talking up Ty Jerome as the most important player on this team, it's getting, it's inching closer and closer to Kyle might be the most important player if he keeps scoring 20 points a game. You know? I think it's actually just inching towards them all evening out, which is a really good thing for us, I think. So I don't or like... It's not evening out, spiking in complimentary ways. Yeah. That, and, like the, they, they're accounting for each other is I think part like there's more ability for multiple guys to be that person, whether it's Mamadi or you know, Braxton Key, which we'll talk about, or whatever it is. Yeah. There's, if it's two guys have a down night, there's a couple other guys you can step in. It's just, it's comforting. And they don't, and this is one of the things where I, I don't, I would not even go as far to say like worry about Dre's like fire, like competitive fire. But he, I talked to him after the game and I was like, he, he's happy to defer to, like, if Kyle's hot, he'll defer. Like, sure, dude. Like, he doesn't feel the need to, try harder to like get his if to compete type thing like neither Ty nor Dre have any sort of like 
hesitancy to share the ball, which I think is a really good thing. You know what I mean? Like they're happy when the other guys are picking up, like picking up points and they'll let those guys pick up points if they've got the hot hand. And what a lot of teams might do is key in on Dre, which is what Terrence Mann was doing. Uh Like Terrence Mann was on him like a cape, but like good defense. Um, And that allowed a guy like key to get open and, and do what he did. Yeah, I mean, we should talk about Braxton for sure. This, you know, I think when when Braxton's waiver got uh, cleared and, and that announcement came out, you saw a ton of optimism in UVA fans uh, changing their uh, expectations for the season a little bit uh, because he was a uh, a popular recruit for sure. He he did pretty well at Alabama, and it, we knew it was going to fill a hole that there was in the roster in the lineup. And then this season, you know, it's been a little bit here and there for him, but th- this was, I think, easily a breakout game. Not just because it was you know the the best opponent they played so far, and him scoring. 20 some points but just really his impact of everything on the court i mean he played how many minutes here he played 26 minutes he was outstanding more than uh Mahamedi. you know he he was making an impact in rebounding he was hitting open shots so forcing them to guard him more closely yeah uh, afterwards he he was phenomenal and you hope it's a sign for the rest of the season that, that maybe it's uh, a bit of a corner turn and, and him feeling comfortable and the team, you know, recognizing his role can be a big one when it needs to be. I think he had quietly had a couple nice, solid games. Sure. The sure. Two, the last two, mm-hmm. but this was like the, cause I kind of was like, he's getting a little bit more, he's more confident around the rim and those shots are falling now uh-huh. for a while or the first few games, like, he would do so much, like, really good work to get open and drive the lane, and then it would just rim out. And not, like, in a, oh, this guy can't finish shots, but just, it was just, like, how unlucky is this kid? Um, And now those are going in, and I think he was, that last play before halftime was brilliant because they were were keying in on Guy. Ah, Okay, I'll see myself out. Um, the, The defense was following Guy around the screen, that he had just run twice to get those open three or not even open threes, those threes and Braxton popped back and got that easy layup underneath to finish yep. the half. And that was brilliant by the offense to, to use what they had done, but modify it and keep the defense off. It guard, seemed but. like they had three guys on Kyle during that play. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's going to leave some people open. if you, if you make the shot, I'll, uh, that you know they can't do that every time so I mean it's huge and I I think you know the early season practice reports we were hearing sort of off the cuff was that the four best players on the team and again this doesn't mean Jack's not important or Mamadi is not important I mean both Mamadi and Jack are critical to team success but just in terms of ability you know on the basketball court the tie Dre, Kyle, and Key were head and shoulders above the rest of the team, and that that yeah. was a, 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 a huge group of, of excellent players that were going to do something. And this was very much a statement showing that that, that, that those uh, reports were correct, I think, about Key's ability yeah. to high major competition. Uh, I do have a question for you guys about FSU. Are they 
that bad? Is UVA really this good? You know, how much can we really take away from one game ever? I think we know as UVA fans, not <laughs> a ton. <laughs> but I think it must have been a, a, a wake-up moment for the Knowles. And I think ask some questions of both teams standing in the conference. Paul? Yeah, I, I this is my been my impression of Leonard Hamilton coach teams for a long time is that if things are going their way, they will beat the hell out of you that they, they are a, a streaky momentum based team. And there was a, you could see it in their body language that for the first couple minutes of the game, there was a, Oh yeah, we can hang with these guys. We like, we're writing it with them. We're, you know, making them play our way a little bit. And then all of a sudden it was, Oh no, we can't. Um, that as, as when UVA turned it on and started to exploit some of where they matched up well and what schematically they wanted to do against Florida state and Florida state caught a, caught a couple of tough breaks. It snowballed more quickly with them than I think it would, you know, for if, if it's a team that's not, expected to stay with um a, 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 an opponent that everybody thinks outmatches them i, I feel like there's a, a a psychological aspect of it that's either okay of like of course we're getting kind of you know roughed around but we're going to keep playing hard we're going to because we have to do everything we can or if you're hanging with it like holy shit look at us we're hanging right with them um for a this is supposed to be a really good matchup and then all of a sudden it's a blowout I feel like that had a bigger psychological effect on Florida state because they are a, we are big, we are athletic, we are long, we are swaggy. We are coming at you a hundred miles an hour. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like, damn, we're coming at them a hundred miles an hour and we're still getting our asses kicked. So I don't know, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. I'm totally off on that, but I, I feel like they're a house of cards every year that if you hit them once in the mouth, they're done. No, I like that assessment, and I think going into the game, a lot of what we were saying was that the stats really liked UVA. All the prognostication you saw, whether it be Vegas or uh, Ken Palm or ESPN predicting or things like that, I thought it was weirdly confident in Virginia winning comfortably uh, because I was nervous because... You know, FSU is good. <laughs> and then you got a guy who's seven foot six. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Unbelievable. They, He's so depth, tall. Their depth is outstanding, which is not necessarily a strong suit for UVA, particularly uh, in the big men. So, you know, I was a little more concerned <laughs> than the numbers spoke. But you, anytime that tends to happen, I'm wrong and the numbers are right. <laughs> like, like, like there's a reason, you know, Vegas is Vegas and such. So uh, I don't know what it is uh, about that matchup necessarily. Cause it's not like Hamilton hasn't beat Bennett teams before. Like this isn't a Rick Pitino situation, um, <laughs> but they just could not hang with what UVA was doing uh, for a number of reasons. I think I took more away about Virginia than I did about Florida State. I think Florida State's a good team. They're going to beat a lot of teams in the ACC. Um, and they'll probably finish in the top five. They don't have the toughest. Top five of the ACC? Of the ACC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Um, and that's because they do. They have a, they're athletic and they're long and they can run and they force turnovers against teams that don't take, that was the biggest thing to me was what was going to happen turnover wise, because they like to force a lot of turnovers and they feast off of those. And 
conversely, they turn the ball over a fair amount. Um, and that's something that Virginia takes advantage of. So if that held true, I was like, this could, I see, I see why it's a nine point spread to start. Um, but three point shooting was going to be the caveat there for me. Like if they get hot from three, then that kind of eliminates some of that turnover stuff, but they didn't. And the other stuff held true. If you take out the last two minutes, uh, for Virginia, (laughs) um, Virginia had five turnovers in the first 38 minutes and against a team like Florida state, like that's a huge win. And so, and they, I think 21 points off of Florida state turnovers. Like that's exactly how on paper I thought this would turn out. So, but to the extent in which Virginia controlled the game and looked comfortable and had so many different ways of attacking the basket and getting points, um, I thought it, that part surprised me. The e, I thought it was going to be like a seven point win where Virginia pulled away down the stretch, like a typical UGA Florida State game. The complete ass whooping was not what I thought was going to happen. So that's where I say I thought Virginia was very impressive and showed that they are, in fact, one of the top five teams in the country. I'm going to slap an adult language sticker on this episode of the podcast. Like, I feel like we've been. Oh, it's always. It's always like, little yeah. loose lips. <laughs> I think it's always. No F bombs yet. It's cool. We got time. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's still early. We haven't talked about it. That is something that um, what you brought up uh, that I wanted to, to talk about it, uh, is what can we take away from this matchup against FSU that makes you feel better or you know the same amount of optimism uh, going into the rest of the ACC play? You know, I think you hit some right away taking care of the ball against yeah one of the more athletic teams. And certainly that feasting on turnovers is a popular phrase for a bunch of ACC teams, including yep. Duke. Yep. Um, so, I mean, in, in addition to that, what in this performance gives you, uh, you know, hope? Um, I definitely think that the offense was impressive. And that's something that in previous years and what people always want to complain about with Tony Bennett is – Sometimes rightfully. Yeah, and that's, yeah, no, 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 and I'm not saying not is not like that's. This is the first time since I think the 2016 season that the this off the offense has been this good, and I don't even think that offense was this good at this point. Uh-huh. Um, I think one of two teams still that's in the top with Duke that's top ten in both. They're up to number seven in offense and three in defense. Like that's nice. We know the defense is going to be good. Like that's something that even though it's not as good as it was last year, like we're talking it's third instead of first. You know what I mean? So like, you know, the defense is going to be good. And I did think they were really good rebounding wise against Florida state, which is another big thing in the ACC because they're big, strong, long players in the ACC. Um, yeah. I thought the offense, they were one, like a little over one point per possession. So actually it's lower than I thought, but I think the second half probably torpedoed that a little bit because everybody went cold in the second half not cold cold but anyway um so yeah I think the biggest takeaway for me is that this offense can actually hang with a fast pace uh-huh. or like a defense like Florida State as they're like number 16 right now and Ken Palm and that's nothing to shake a fist at or shake your head at I don't know shake your something tail one tail of those Interesting. <laughs> Paul yeah, no, I think the the sort of they've looked more multiple this year. That they're it's not just Jack is in to set a screen, another big is in to set a screen, three other guys, you know, two guys are running around while somebody dribbles. Like it's not just variations on that. It's you know they're they're doing more to get 
I, I love this. When other teams try and play zone, it's I'd start laughing because it's like, okay, fine. We're going to put Dre at the free throw line and yeah. Mamadi on the baseline and then three guys who can shoot it on the outside and you're screwed. Like it's um, – so the, the confidence in not just sort of the offense overall but in the offensive adjustments and that was, that was my big clamoring for Bennett to do something different. Yeah. It's like, fine, I don't care for 353rd in pace so long as we're doing different stuff when we need to. <laughs> Right. Um, I don't you can know say why. shit, it's fine. I know. We're doing different <laughs> shit when we need to. Um, and, and that's that's the thing of like, okay, I think he's he, there's still an impulse to fall back on the super traditional blocker mover, um, but there's a willingness to go away from it. There's a willingness to try something else to extend. You know, if, if we're up nine let's try something and all of a sudden we're up 15 as opposed like we're up nine let's keep doing what we're doing and then only end up up 11 you know it do seem to take more risks in that way that's a good point yeah. I'm, and the other thing i like too is there's there's rarely a time i was just thinking about it where i cringe at a shot selection like there aren't many even shots that were missed i was like that was a good take by mom and i'm okay with that or like, all right, that was a good attempt by Dre. I understand. Like, they're rarely – I watch so many other games where I'm like, oh, what is that shot? Mm. There aren't as many of the, like, no, 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 <laughs> shots <laughs> this season. That Other I than Kyle, which you're like, yeah, yeah why not? Yeah. No, when he, when he lets the ball go, I'm like, it's going in. Like, every single time, I don't care. He could – Statistically, spin. that's apparently the case now. So. <laughs> he, could, he could do a handstand and throw it with his legs, and I'd still be like, he's got a good shot. Like, he's got a good chance. Yeah, I think that they and yeah. Oh, in free throw shooting, still very good. Yeah, Except for Ty. Ty's had an oddly down year from the stripe. That I, I maybe it's just my weird memory being incorrect. But I had thought that as a as a freshman, he was something like ninety percent from the line. But I think he only he didn't take very many. He was like ninety percent from the line, but I think he only took like twenty two. Yeah. Okay. No. So he was like seventy eight percent his freshman year. Uh, he was 90% last year, but he, again, he only took 42 free throws. Already. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I know he didn't uh, take a lot. Enough. Has he, <laughs> yeah, taken, has he taken that many already this year? Yes. He's already yeah. taken 43 this year, and but he's only shooting 77%, which is like okay. only shooting 77, like as a yeah. team, if we were you know shooting 77%, that's great. But for your, essentially your point starting point guard to be shooting under 80 percent is a little but i trust him more like that i think he'll finish closer to 83 85 um because the ones that have made me happy momity's a pretty solid free throw shooter um in his defense he's only had one game where he's missed more than one uh he he missed three out of ten in the dayton game and other than that he's not missed more than one yeah um speaking of momity and jay i just brought in my mind i thought of jay huff excellent transition (laughs) um he Jay got in early and did very well against Florida State, and I was extremely happy to see that. Um, some foul troubles from the bench, and then like in the second half, like I think Tony just wanted to keep Key in there because he was playing really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't hate that he didn't come back in for huge stretches or anything, but the block where he didn't leave his feet on the, <laughs> on the eight foot tall center that uh, Florida State has, he he yeah. just had better positioning and defense. I thought he played really well. Anyway, my, yeah. Mamadi 
too. I mean, yeah, Mamadi's definitely showing flashes of, of, as Tony likes to say in his post game, you know, simplifying things and playing more within himself and, and not as reckless. He still looks like a baby giraffe at times, <laughs> bounding <laughs> after the ball because he's high energy and he, he makes those yeah. effort plays that we come to love. Um, from our, our big guys but he's had a solid like four game stretch since yeah. he was has bumped into the starting lineup he has been probably a b plus a performance every i game. love his shot too um, you know i know it's not always going in but but it just it's really nice you see it in the free throws he's just been coached well to do that but um i think if if we were going to talk any negative takeaways this isn't really a negative uh, so much as it is maybe a coming back down to earth coupled with the positive play with Mamadi in the starting lineup is the fact that Kihei Clark probably isn't going to get the minutes uh, or the starting role that maybe we threw him into after seeing him play so well at the beginning of the season. It's not necessarily that he's playing poorly. Um, I think it's just the nature of the competition in the ACC and his injury and just finding the best dynamic for this team, which is something, you know, that you're, you're working on throughout yeah. the season. You, you see emergence in key. He's going to get minutes. Ty and Kyle are both capable in, in handling the ball. Uh, you know, I think he's a great guard to have coming in as a freshman. Um, spelling. And his defense, his defense is great. Sure, so, sure, sure. Yeah. You just you, you you can tell that it's not always the right moment to have him on the court yeah. <laughs> against a team yeah. like Florida State uh, in particular, and we're going to see more teams like Florida State than we did in the first half of the season. But I'm so excited to see him on like Justin Robinson and Chris likes. yeah, I was going to say Chris likes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Chris um, likes is like the the perfect scenario. To that's gonna, that's I mean that's going to be t- that will be such a litmus test for where his defense actually is because like Chris likes is so dynamic and fast and I feel like he was almost brought in to guard Chris like, like yeah, not like Chris likes specifically but, no, but specifically. that type of guard <laughs> yeah that's for really sure giving this offense trouble that's you know giving giving Tony credit for recognizing. The you weakness know, the, and bringing yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely the, the ventilation shaft and the Death Star. Like, <laughs> I, I and he only needs this. a three foot tall guard to plug it. So. No bigger than a womp rat. Um, oh my! Can we start star. calling Kihei the womp rat? <laughs> you can. Is that better or worse you, than Ewok, which is yeah. how we've been referring to him previously? Yeah. Um, I was just gonna say, like, I love college. Ba- I mean, I love college basketball anyway. But the fact hey, that what? there's a game, <laughs> there's a game that can have. Kihei versus David Nichols, who are like, you know, five five nine in my air quotes and six one on this same court as you have um Kumaji at seven four and Diakite at six ten and they're all like they're all sharing a court. I'm like, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, those guys bad. barely share like, a species. <laughs> like like I think Kumaji could wear Kihei around in a baby bjorn and they're playing the same game, you know, it's awesome. Yeah, uh, we I all love college basketball. Not, I think that's a technical foul. <laughs> Carrying <laughs> a baby yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, well, well, why don't we turn our attention uh, a little bit to the upcoming games? We've got Boston College uh, tomorrow night so on the road at 9 o'clock. Ugh. And then uh, this weekend they're playing uh, Clemson 
I'm sorry, 9, 9 p.m. tips. Uh, we, uh, Just school night. Just school BC is 0-1 uh, to start their ACC play after giving Virginia Tech somewhat of a game in Blacksburg. Uh, I feel like the Eagles were getting in foul trouble as I was watching that game. Uh, but, you know, they've got Kyle Bowman, Kyle, Kyle Bowman, <laughs> and he's quite good. Uh, so certainly any road game in the ACC, even against you, Wake Forest, I'm going to consider <laughs> a, 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 not a cupcake, not a cakewalk. Uh, <laughs> they're so. technically a team, Wake Forest. I mean, <laughs> yeah. as Watch they're getting it. dismantled in the second half here. We've right lost um, to worse teams. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, anyway, back to BC. They, they've got some ability. They, you wonder when, if ever – it's all going to click up there and, and Chestnut Hill, it seems like a, a team that for the past and how many years has been like, Oh yeah, it's, it's going to turn the corner and then they're going to be, a, a, you know, fight the upper echelon of the ACC. And it just hasn't happened yet for them. I'm not trying to downplay it, but UVA should probably win this handedly. Uh, what say you, Paul? Yeah. I mean, the, a BC player could walk up and smack me in the face, and if they weren't wearing a jersey, I wouldn't know who they are. Um, it's, BC's the whatever. BC is that team like, oh right, they're technically in the ACC. Like, yeah, you know, Wake. Yeah, they kind of stink, but you know, they're traditional. You're used to them. Pitt and and Syracuse, obviously, and, and Louisville. Unfortunately, um, I've always <laughs> mentally processed the like being in the ACC, but we we never play Boston College in football basically it seems like um and playing them in basketball it feels like an out-of-conference game in part because frankly they've been so overmatched for the last couple of years um so yeah this is what like this is obviously going to come back to bite me in the ass and hey look they've got you know, you know the last team to beat us had bc in their name um Hey, <laughs> Ooh, this is a safe space. Yeah, so when we <laughs> you swear all you want, but not that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all uh, Paul's so, fault. Yeah, no, I, as most things are. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that is the most intelligent breakdown I can do of BC is, Excellent. oh, they suck and are irrelevant. So I would <laughs> happily turn it over to somebody who's maybe they're, seen them. This so they're way. not very tall um, and they don't shoot particularly well. Um, it's a good combination in the game of basketball. Yeah. Uh, this could be a big Jack Salt game playing against Nick Popovich, who um, I don't remember as a particularly uh, adept footwork person in the post. He's their tallest player at 6'11". Um, there's a nearly invisible guy, which is probably the worst way to ever be described, <laughs> Ken Palm, <laughs> that you're technically alive, um, who's 6'10". And then the next tallest guys are 6'8". A couple of them are 6'8". Um, Kai Bowman is the guy. Um, he's only 6'1", so we might see a lot of Kihei on him. We might see a lot of Ty or Kyle on him, depending on if they can keep up with him. Um, he's only shooting 33% from three this year, but he's still – he's just a good player. He's a guy that creates – I think he had, like, 30 or 40 points in that loss to Hartford or whatever it was um, to end the new year or end last year. Um, but yeah, in just basic numbers, like their offense is 104. Virginia's is three. 
<laughs> their, their defense, <laughs> their defense is a one eleven. Virginia's offense is seven. Um, yeah. Yeah. Here's my stat. <laughs> I think, I, I think uh, UVA is going to hold Boston College under sixty. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Right? Like that's a that's an easy call. Um, Boston College has held two teams under 60 all season. Milwaukee and Minnesota. Uh, they've given up 100 points to Providence. Uh, 73 points to Columbia. 79 points to Hartford. 73 points to oh gosh, my acronyms are failing me. SHU. Sacred Heart, I'm assuming. Who knows? Anyway. Sacred Heart. It is. There's a lot of acronyms. They've got Yui Pui on the schedule. Too. Yeah. I, I just, like like you're saying with the rankings, it's a bad matchup on both ends Yeah, for the Eagles. So I'm, I'm imagining the Hoos are going to take care of business. I don't know they, don't force, they don't force a lot of turnovers. They turn the ball over 17, 18% of the time. Um, they only shoot 30% from three as a team. Um that's a little tough. You know, every but once in a while, they've UVA done, has, yeah, yeah. has one of these road games where they, they, they can't shoot. So, <laughs> as, uh, as Brad Franklin at Cavs Corner says, Conti Forum is where good teams go to die. So, yeah, yeah um, fair enough. We've seen it. it <laughs> yeah, it's happened at Boston College playing there so frequently. <laughs> exactly. We've, we've seen it. And, and Jordan Chapman, who's been just not particularly great for them early shooting just 28 percent from three if i remember correctly he had a big game at yeah. UVA last year. yeah that does um, sound familiar. so it'll just be interesting it's just going to be if virginia plays their game i don't think this is close weird stuff can always happen because it's college basketball no one knows that better than we do but this is one that should the only real tough aspect to it, I guess, is going on the road. But this is remember a team that came to Charlottesville and we needed 31 points from uh, from Ty to beat them and two defensive uh-huh. stands at the end. Uh-huh. So, very true. Last yeah. year's was a nail brighter. It yeah. seems like so <laughs> long ago. I know, you know, it's a so season, much heartbreak you know, since then, <laughs> but yeah, so much stuff, so happened. much ecstasy, so much heartbreak. <laughs> Um, well, let's talk a little bit about Clemson because <laughs> uh, we won't record uh, another podcast until after. Can't look ahead. No, we're, we are, we're not the team, <laughs> so we're looking ahead. I just like those. Don't look past Boston College. Like, the those Tigers, are not what I do. It truly does not. That's the important lesson I keep telling you. <laughs> Nothing we do actually impacts. <laughs> But the Tigers are coming off a pretty decent showing last night in a football game. Um, I I think they're a good team. Um, I think they've lost some games that they probably should have won. I think maybe that means they'll win some games uh, that they should have lost. Hopefully that's not against UVA. uh, But, you know, it's it's a noon game. I think that favors the favored team. Um, but you said they're having their uh, championship parade. If things follow the same timeline as it did two years earlier, you know, yeah, two years ago. Last time they were champions. Yeah, last time they, they were champions, and AK the last time Virginia played there. Uh, it was the same situation, same weekend, and the parade was a 9 a.m. parade. Game tipped at noon. Um, 
So and it's turned that place into an absolute zoo. I mean, like if their athletic department has any sense in their heads whatsoever, ever they'll do the same thing this year of have the parade basically end it at the basketball arena, yeah. send everybody in and bring the damn trophy out at halftime. Like I, it was, it was absolutely insane or that or at least it seemed that way from, from watching on TV that the atmosphere when Virginia played there in 2016, um, you know, you, you imagine it's, if you've got the, the combination of, um, you know, top five team coming to play basketball and in a pretty nicely redone new arena. Yeah. Um, and you've got all of, you know, just create as much sort of atmosphere around that as you can. They did a great job in 2016. All, all credit to them. Um, yeah, that was a close, I mean, 77, 73 was the final there. That was I'm a close 20, game. I'm like. saying 2016 because it was the 2016 football. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they. It was a, one of those games that was pretty close. Yeah, Virginia only won by four. Yeah, um, and London had twenty five. Kyle Guy only had six. He went two for three from. Well, he was like sixteen that day. I know that's true. Ty, <laughs> Ty played. Ty played seven minutes. <laughs> well, they've got Jared um, Reuter played three minutes in that game. So Cle- Clemson's got some talent that Boston College definitely does not have. Um, is it Marquise? I, I never read. Regardless, yeah, he is so good, so good. He, he's one of the best players in the conference, um, as far as I'm concerned. And then they've got the big guy Elijah Thomas. Uh, he's averaging seven and a half boards a game. Uh, he has 22 blocks on the season. Yeah, he's rim protection. Seems high. Yeah, seems uh, high. good. They got Sims, a good coach. Shelton Mitchell. Yeah, they're they're a. Uh, a solid team that again like both of their offense and their defense are in the 40s um so it's not easy but not super i mean it's not as tough as like what they're going to see against tech or duke in the next two games that follow it so um both of these will be good one will be a good test like clemson will be a good test i guess we'll say it's a road game should be a crazy environment um and that'll be something that will be a good measuring stick as to where Virginia. Well, you think about the rest of the AC slate for the Hoos. I mean, they, they look right now, obviously, like a team that's going to challenge for the conference title that we hope is going to play uh, well enough to get, you know, a one or a two seed uh, in March, uh, best case scenario. I think the important part of these games is you build that resume of winning the games you should win uh, yeah. for sure. And then you let maybe we come back down to earth a little bit against the better competition. You know, we don't quite uh, nearly run the table like last year, whatever, as long as we take advantage of beating the middle tier and lower tier teams in conference. Yeah. You can lose one to Duke uh, or UNC or heaven forbid uh, the Hokies. Uh, if they win the next three games, Boston College, Clemson, Duke, or, I mean, sorry, Boston College, Clemson, Virginia Tech, I truly don't care what happens in Durham. Yeah. Yes, I want I'm the course i want them to be duke you want them to win but if they and all that but i won't be upset even if they totally blow it i I think you know that's a road team against the other a road game against the other championship uh caliber team in the conference as long as they're taking care of business and beating a very good virginia tech team on the road to that um you know again maybe i'll feel differently next week when we record but i think (laughs) these, these are important games 
to build that buffer of you know looking like a, a championship pedigree team which is how you usually succeed in, in the march tournament as much as we want to say oh i don't want the pressure of being a one seed again it's always going to be easier the better your seed is in, in the tournament so realistically and i'm sure the guys you know i haven't asked them but i'm sure they want to be a one seed again it's yeah. always better for the team um even with that uh, maybe historic pressure. So continue to boost the resume and continue to get some important road wins. I keep like um, laughing when I remember that they went nine and zero on the road last year. No, right. That's absurd. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just can't, I just think about it and I'm like, that's so dumb. Like, how do you do that? Well, it's one of those other crazy parts of the season that <laughs> sort of glossed over so because dumb. of how it ended. It, I mean, such a, another ridiculous high in in a, a season yeah. that ended uh with with a ridiculous down uh is how crazy they performed and that's sort of what i mean is even if this team is better even if this team does better at the end of the day i don't think that means that they're going to have the ridiculous success in conference yeah. uh that they had last year just as as a regression to the mean or maybe because some of the other teams are a little bit better uh, than they were last year. Than, uh, and I think Duke certainly is better this year than they were last year. Uh, but you could say that for a handful of, of the better teams in conference too. Um, a couple of te- games that we'll finish with, is, or that you know, just finish today's podcast with type thing, is, is um, you can add state to that. Well, ACC play is always going to be tough, but I do think that Virginia has one of the toughest ACC schedules, the way that sure. it's lined up, just because of the fact that in the first – five games you play three top 10 teams or top 10 when you played them type thing. Uh-huh. Um, and then you look at, if you expand that to eight games, you have four of the top 15 teams in the AP poll that you're facing. Like that's insane. Yeah. Um, because that, that trip to NC state. Um, and then if you go three games past that, you play Duke again and then North Carolina. Like, so in the first oh, right. 11 Saturday, Monday, yeah. around home and away. It's insane. Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Starting with Florida State, which is also what made that game so impressive, is that there was no – like, Duke's at Wake right now and pulling away by a ton in the second half. But, like, playing a team like Florida State at the gate, you can't make mistakes. Like, you can't do – well, I mean, look what happened to Florida State. They made mistakes and Virginia made them pay for it. So you can't – take for granted that like you have this buffer to like play Pitt or wake forest or georgia tech or mm-hmm. boston college so um i just think it was impressive that right out the gate after everyone had questions about you know hey are they as good because their non-con isn't as strong like that was a nice emphatic yes so yeah, yeah that, that first that first half of february we're gonna find out really what this team is made of yeah. like, taking care of business the next week or two is obviously important but uh starting with saturday february 9th hosting duke it's saturday monday home and away duke north carolina followed by a few days off but then saturday monday home and away notre dame and virginia tech yeah Uh, so it's it's and playing in that stupid sweat box of a down at virginia tech like that's that is a a really really tough stretch that i think it'll almost certainly decide the acc um, what happens in those four games uh, in part because there's sort of three teams right at the top all, all playing in them. Um, but it's, I, I think it'll also determine 
you know, seeding, it'll, you know, it, it, that's, yeah. that's probably the most important four game stretch. And unfortunately it's, it's set up to be an incredibly difficult, quick turnaround with, with road trips. Yeah. At least like the last five games or so it's a little, well, I mean, when I say easy, you still playing two, you know, Louisville twice and Syracuse once in the last five games. Um, but that's the nature of it. Yeah, I mean that's why that's why we want. Yeah, I think I think the die will be pretty much cast by then. They're like mm-hmm. how yeah. they come out of that that stretch in February. Like they're not gonna unless they bomb all of a sudden and drop a whole bunch of those sort of mid level games. If they just sort of take care of business, it's not gonna elevate them any. Sure, taking care well, of business. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see if they do just that uh, against uh, BC and Clemson. I'll sing us out. <laughs> <laughs> by all means and uh yeah stay tuned to the blog for some more previews and certainly uh some post analysis after the games but uh until next week uh for paul and caroline i am pierce and go who's the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and rugged at the same time? Introducing a car that's got style and substance to spare. The all-new RAV4 Limited, featuring a sophisticated, muscular new exterior and available options like a premium JBL audio system and panoramic roof. The all-new RAV4 Limited. Toyota, let's go places. JBL and Clarifier, registered trademarks of Harman International Industries Incorporated.